If I had a dollar every time a husband told me he wasn't a very emotional guy, I'd be retired by now. But hey, I'm not judging. I used to think the same thing. Turns out, it's pure bunkum. And it's kind of messing up your marriage, too. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth you may or may not like, and the answers you may or may not be looking for. <laughs> we have a, a revealing podcast for you this week. This is episode number 133. And today we're going to be talking about why you are indeed an emotional guy. Unless, of course, you're a woman and you're listening. I was going to say, like, the title is My Husband is Not an Emotional Guy. So yeah. we're going to be talking about why indeed your husband is an emotional guy. If it's a wife listening, but if it's a husband listening, then we're going to be talking about why he is an emotional guy. That's true. This is very complicated. Yeah. Because they may or may not be liking the answers. Right. All right. Well, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we talked about why every couple needs to pray together. And it's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. Hope for your husband, too. <laughs> Unless you're a husband listening. I feel sorry for husbands today. <laughs> really? Well, kind of. Because okay. I think we hide behind this. I'm just not an emotional guy thing. And that's where we're going to go today. So let's get okay. into this. Okay. So the first question is, does evidence support the idea that women are more emotional? And to talk about this, we have to start with culture. And then when you're talking about culture and common culture and the things that happen, there's this niche of emotion culture. Okay. Or niche, if you like quiche. Sorry. So emotion culture is defined as a way of viewing emotions and their expression within a society. So how does a particular culture, society express emotions? Okay. And part of Western emotion culture then is the belief that women are both more emotional and more emotionally expressive. So they have more emotions mm -hmm. and they're way more expressive of them yeah. than men. And it's also widely thought that we differ in the emotions that we feel and express. So angular is kind of what men do and angular. sadness is what, sorry? Angular? Anger okay. is what men do and sadness is more what women do. Yeah. So a study from 2004 used a questionnaire about daily emotional experiences for which they analyzed 1,460 responses. So it was a pretty wide study. And they looked at the frequency of feeling emotions in general and the frequency of reporting feeling different emotions. Like were they changing what they call okay. a changing emotional stage? So you went through different emotions and they looked at emotional expressiveness, which is how much of, of this was actually expressed outwards. Because you can feel something inside you and not say anything or right. try not to express yeah. it, right? Okay. And what they found is that there's no difference in the frequency of feeling emotions between genders. Men feel as frequently as women do. Really? Yes. They found some differences around which emotions are felt by men and women, but not a strong link. Often these differences were accounted for by differences in roles or differences in situations. So for example, women reported feeling negative emotions more often, but this difference was accounted for by their lower household income. So there were other factors that came into play. Okay. Uh, there's kind of a funny observation too, that men often reported feeling calm more often than women reported feeling calm. 
But when the effect of having children under 18 was removed, the effect disappeared. <laughs> so okay. men aren't naturally more calm than women. Women are just less calm because they're dealing with the kids more. Right. Is what that's saying. Right? Okay. And they also found that women do express their emotions more readily than men. But the underlying level of feeling is not different. So more expressivity, but the same amount of emotion. Okay. I find that so hard to believe. Like I go like on roller coasters and you're like this stable diesel engine, you know, never varies much by grade. And how do, how are we feeling the same emotion? It's expressivity is the difference. Wow. But you don't, oh, you're saying it's going wild on the inside too. Like I'm on a roller coaster on the inside. I'm not really, I can't see myself like that. No. Okay. Just stay with me. Okay. I'll just listen. Yep. So a couple more studies, okay, Okay. which we'll get to in a moment. But again, we're saying humans all are experiencing the same amount of feeling, but culture is dictating the expression of those feelings. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean, like, let me just go back to your example. How many do you men, if you pardon the caricaturization here a little bit, but how many men do you know that flap their hands and get all excited about stuff, flap their arms and... Mm. Like when you're teaching kids how to sing and you're so enthused, there's very few men that would be as expressive as you are. I think it's part of your ability and power, right? But there's a socializing thing that goes on there too. Huh. Okay. So we'll unpack that more in a minute because I've only cited one study, but let me drop a couple more just so we know we're being fair in our consideration of the research. Okay. So in a study in 1998 looked at emotion while people were watching film clips and the film clips were either scary or happy or sad. Mm-hmm. And they measured facial expressions. They measured self-reported emotions, so what people said about their own emotions. Yeah. And they measured skin conductance, which is the physiological aspect of emotion. You can put sensors on the skin, you're reading the sweat that's coming out. Really? Yeah. Okay. So there's no difference in self-reported emotions or in skin conductance between men and women, but women were more expressive with their facial expressions. Hmm. Okay, that so makes sense. Again, it's the idea that male and female were feeling the same, but women were more expressive of those feelings. Mm-hmm. Another study, so if, if a guy ever tells you he's not scared during a movie, you know he's lying. <laughs> another another study in 2006 looked at differences in expression of anger, and they found that social domain and status differences are such powerful predictors of emotion expression that they eclipse the influence of other individual characteristics. This is kind of Greek. Mm-hmm. What they're saying is that any perceived difference in anger between men and women is actually down to differences in status and power. It's not about gender. Okay. So they didn't get into like, if someone is the power in the relationship, like has more power, they're going to be more expressive of anger? No, this was, so this was not compared to each other in the context of a relationship. It's just in culture, men versus women. So because men are more frequently in positions of status and power because of how our culture has developed. Yeah. They're more, there's a difference in expression of anger, but it became due to those things when they isolated it from other variables. Okay, okay. So again, it's the same feelings present, but there's a cultural influence modulating how we can express them. So men can be more frequently being given positions of status and power, more frequently express anger. Okay. So the question becomes then, how does society shape emotion? And this is where this kind of starts to back into our marriages, right? So one thing is what we kind of just touched on, which is roles and norms, right? Mm -hmm. That has an impact due to different expectations placed on men and women and different roles in society. There are differences in emotional expression. So it's not so much that God made men one way and women another. It's actually about the roles and expectations of society. Like he didn't wire men for less emotionality and women for more. Okay. It's more about the influence of roles and expectations in society. This is around emotion because he did make men one way and women another. Yes. And I'm not commenting on his, on differences in roles that God ordained. Right. You're just talking about emotion. 
Yeah, I'm just saying that we're not created to have, as men, to have less emotions than women. Hmm, interesting. Emotion management is another thing that comes in, right? Which is about controlling the emotions that you feel as well as what you express. So it's like, you know, in some places you can feel free to express your frustration with something and in other places it's not okay to express your frustration with something, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we have to do this emotion management thing. Okay. And this emotion management, we manage this by channeling or bringing to mind memories with strong emotions attached to them. So society dictates which emotions are considered acceptable for men and for women to express and to feel. And based on those gender expectations, we regulate what we express. This is kind of how this goes. Hmm. So if a man feels sad about something, he may channel angry memories in order to make himself feel more angry as that's considered a more normal response for a man. And people are more comfortable with an angry man than a bawling man. Right. Right. Okay. That's emotion management at work. Okay. So that comes in and then tied, these are all very closely linked. And then there's reaction from others. So society will react differently to men and women displaying certain emotions. And that teaches those men and those women, teaches us, which mm -hmm. emotions is, is acceptable to feel or display. Hmm. So for example, a study in 93 showed that boys are given more leeway in expressing anger in the school playground than girls. Okay. So we're, we're already starting to like, just by virtue of like whoever's managing that playground is saying, okay, anger is more okay for boys than girls. Hmm. This is so culture. if a girl showed anger, that's not okay. Yeah, you are not allowed to use your temper. And then it's like, oh, boys are just boys, right? Huh, okay. And this is how it gets perpetuated. Interesting. And this also changes which emotions men and women pay attention to. So from an early age, boys are also taught to conceal their emotions more while girls are taught to express them. Mm -hmm. Differences in expression of emotion increase with age and are more pronounced when interacting with unfamiliar adults than with parents, really suggesting that it's a, it's a learned behavior. Hmm. Wow. So the bottom line is looking at gender differences and looking at the impact of society. Your husband is a perfectly emotional guy mm -hmm. and you are not a crazy emotional woman. Oh, man. You're actually the same emotionally. Huh? You just differ in your expressiveness and probably also in your awareness. So when a guy says to me, Verlin, in counseling, I'm not an emotional guy. I always correct him now and I've been doing this for some time. And I say to him, you should say, I'm not an emotionally expressive guy. Hmm. Because there's a Yet. difference between saying I'm an emotion, not an emotional guy and not an emotionally expressive guy. Right. Okay. I can see that. And it's the fact that you're not expressive is what is actually true. Yes. It's not true to say that I'm not an emotional guy. I would say for anyone, it's just not true. Hmm. So they might not even be aware of their emotions. Right. But they're all there and they're happening huh. somewhere. Cool. So sorry, guys, your cover is blown. You are emotional. <laughs> Now, I've started a Kickstarter campaign, and if I can raise $1 million from all you guys out there by the end of the month, I will remove this post from the internet so you can all <laughs> crawl back into the dark hole of your emotions. Nice try. Uh, just kidding. Yes. But I do have a more practical solution for you. After the break, I'm going to talk a little bit about increasing emotional expressiveness and then why this is so important for your marriage. And I'm going to say for guys, like you're missing out. So this is actually much better than you think it's going to be like for your marriage and for yourself. Mm-hmm. But to learn to do this, we have a four-page guide available to our patrons. And those patrons are the wonderful peeps who support our podcast on a monthly basis. And this guide will teach them, and you if you become one of them, how to use your body to help identify your emotions so that you can get really skilled at this. And then to identify the source of those emotions, as in like, why am I feeling this? Hmm. And then how to express them in a way that's adaptive and healthy for your marriage. So it actually comes out well. And this to identify them. Yes. Why you're feeling them. How to express them. Yeah. 
Wow, that's a lot of stuff. In a way that builds your marriage up. Yeah. And you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll just take a quick 60-second break to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we are about to get into the area of increasing emotional expressiveness and why this is important to your marriage. Again, I highly recommend that you become a patron and get this week's guide. Successfully implementing this will have a significant, tangible impact on your marriage. It'll be a huge blessing to your marriage. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about what you need to do now to increase emotional expressiveness here. But if you really want to know how to do it, be sure to become a patron and get the guide for this episode. So let's talk about increasing emotional expressiveness. Okie dokie. And simply put, what you have to do is pay attention to the physiological signs. Like, what are you feeling in your body? Because hmm. that's your first connection in. You know, think about the, think about it this way, right? Feeling just like as a rough definition, feeling is about like sad or happy or hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those kinds of things. Emotion is about where and how you experience that in your body. Like you have to know what you're feeling by the expression of it in your body. Otherwise, how would you know what was happening in your brain? Hmm. Okay. Am I making sense? Um, sort of. Like you have to, like, what is a feeling? It's these words, right? They're happening in your brain. Yeah. But how do you know what they are? You sense them in your body. Okay. Okay. And that's a key. And this is this is where emotional intelligence comes in because knowing what you're feeling or where those emotions are being expressed and why makes a huge difference in your ability to accurately interpret the world around you. And that also means interpreting and understanding your spouse as well. Hmm. So here's an example. Listen to the study carefully. This is from 2013. People were measured for emotional intelligence and they were given a decision-making and risk-taking survey. So in the first pass-through, all the participants displayed risk-taking preferences about 50% of the time. It's about half the time they'd take the risk. Okay. The researchers then repeated the exercise, but they added anxiety and they induced anxiety in the participants by first telling them that they would have to give a speech later. Oh. Okay. Okay. Those with high emotional intelligence performed exactly the same on the risk test. They could tell that the anxiety they were feeling had nothing to do with the current task. Yeah. Those with low emotional intelligence showed a big reduction in risk-taking behavior. They thought their anxiety was to do with the current task, and so they acted in a safer way. So the task has nothing to do with the speech, right? Right. They're just saying, hey, you got also got to make a speech later on. Yeah. So we're creating anxiety by doing that. And the emotionally intelligent people could separate the two and say, okay, I can still do this task just fine. The speech is a separate issue. Okay. But the less emotionally aware people, less emotionally intelligent people, they couldn't get there. Huh. And so they took a lot less risk. Okay. They misinterpreted the source of their anxiety. Mm-hmm. They didn't know exactly what they were feeling or why they were feeling it. This reminds me of one of our kids, Caleb. Does it? Yeah. And 
whenever like we were going to travel or something, she would get sick. Right. And once you like talked to her and showed her that she was feeling anxious or she figured out like she was feeling nervous about the trip, Mm -hmm. then she was okay with it. Once she became aware of the source. Yeah. Yes. But she just thought she was sick. Right. So knowing why you're feeling these things is really helpful to you coping with life Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. understanding, right? Now, in a follow-up study, the effect could be eliminated by making low emotionally intelligent participants, like less emotionally intelligent participants, aware of the real source of their anxiety. So then if you you turn around and told people, hey, you're anxious because you have a speech coming, not because of this test, then they would go back to the normal risk-taking level on the test. Interesting. So even in people who are not naturally good at identifying their emotions, which we're equating with low emotional intelligence, and please don't be offended by that. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. They noted that developing emotion understanding ability guards against sort of the biasing effect of misinterpreted emotion. So let me try and put that in English. If (laughs) go back to this. So they had this this task that they had to do where they measured risk taking on the task and then they had the speech threat, right? Yeah. So... The speech threat overwhelmed the task. Yeah. Right. And so, but if you told people, or if you helped them to understand their emotion, mm-hmm. then the effect of the speech did not roll over onto the task. Yes. Right. They were able to differentiate. So even if it's something that you're not good at, forcing yourself to identify where your emotions are coming from is still really effective. Right. It helps. Yeah. And you know, like when we think about ourselves being born, like we kind of think of ourselves as being born with a certain IQ. Like this is how smart I am and that's fixed for life. Other people are smarter. Other people Mm -hmm. aren't as smart. Mm -hmm. We're kind of all stuck there, right? But from my own experience and seeing my client's growth, emotional intelligence can develop and grow. It can change and it can change actually very rapidly. Hmm. So I have men coming into therapy Mm -hmm. with their wives, husbands with their wives, and they're saying, I'm not an emotional guy, but they learn this as we go through the process. And then by the end of it, their emotional intelligence is much greater than it was at the start. Right. Okay. Over a number of weeks, it really can develop. And I know for myself at the start of our marriage, if something was wrong, I just felt this big, dark knot in my chest. Yeah. I felt bad. That was as hard, like as detailed as I could get. And it was hard to figure out why. And now I have a lot more precision on knowing what I'm feeling, like what kind of a hurt is it? Is it sadness, loss, grief, insult, betrayal, Mm -hmm. and why I'm feeling it? And because of that, I think we can navigate through issues much more quickly Mm -hmm. with faster without them getting worse. You know what I mean? It just helps in so many ways. So this can totally be learned. Hmm, That's cool. And that kind of segues me to like why this matters in marriage, right? So this is the marriage podcast for smart people. And I think that we've helped make you smarter today as you're listening, but our ultimate goal is to help your marriage, not just make you smarter. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So what I want you to know is that emotion is a powerful source of information. It's the key to understanding behavior, your behavior and your spouse's behavior. And it's by the expression of emotion that you really hear a person's heart. And I know when I see emotional expression that I'm seeing what really matters to that person. In all my counseling, I'm always going past the details and the facts of the story to find out what the emotion is. Not just the emotion that's culturally acceptable, but the true deep emotion is what I want to see. And I want to help that couple express that and show that to each other. Hmm. And when they're doing that, things change. New bonds are formed. Yeah. A lot lot of good stuff happens. Cool. Because when when this is drawn out, people find great clarity. And when it comes out in counseling, couples are able to shift and reorganize their relationship in profoundly positive ways. Mm -hmm. And I know, Verlinda, that in our marriage, when we're stuck on something and we dive deep and kind of get past the details of 
the superficial stuff, right? Yeah. When we go for sharing that emotional part, that's when we really begin to understand each other and where we're coming from on something, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think this is where the soulmate thing happens because you, you get that window into each other's deepest parts, hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Now in distressed marriages, people often think they can't do this with their spouse because they haven't found the right person. Like, like their spouse isn't the right person. Yeah. They think it's because there's a mismatch, right? Mm-hmm. But really it's a failure to learn to communicate at this level. Hmm. So any marriage can get here. Right. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Like the root of this, these issues are very, very solvable if we can identify and express these very important emotions. Okay. Hmm. That's cool. So yeah, your husband is an emotional guy and he is just now needing to start learning to identify and share those emotions with you. That's mm-hmm. what it's all about. All good? Yeah. So we're recording today. Sorry, go ahead. We're recording today from Hatboro, Pennsylvania, as we continue on our year-long RV trip around the USA. We want to shout out another thank you to our patrons for all your ongoing support of our podcast on this trip as it's growing. Actually, as we're recording this today, um, it won't be out till next week. But as we're sitting here, we're like 300 downloads short of 500,000, which is a huge milestone. Wow. And we couldn't have got here without you. We really sincerely appreciate all of your support. That's cool. So what are we talking about next week? We're talking about, is it ever too late to save a marriage? And is divorce or separation ever helpful? So for those of you feeling like you're at the end of your rope with respect to your marriage, I hope you take to heart what we have to say next week. We get that question a lot. We do. And it's a very difficult question. Yeah. So why don't you wrap up? All righty. That's all for today's episode. Again, as always, you can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 133 for this episode. Find out how you can help, go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.